Good morning and top of the morning to you. That's right. We are starting the day off at the top. So let's continue right now and be kind today. That's right. We're going to be kind today because being mean is easy. Being kind takes a little bit of work. Somewhere along the line, right around that teenage years, we picked up a few interesting quirks like a nasty put down is not that big of a deal or having that superior smile just isn't noticed. Not unlike the clever one-liner no one else finds clever. Making yourself feel bigger by making someone else feel smaller takes so little skill that they often call it junior high behavior. In some circles, elementary school behavior. So today, let's allow that 12-year-old inside of us, let's allow the creativity to shine rather than the casual cruelty. Now let's get this day of kindness started. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. I never let the joker out my sight. Never went broke on an all or nothing. Never made a bet so out of line. Till I met you and I hit the ground with it. And I must say, I've never seen so much weakness in one place. It was a 20-inch bicep with no strength. Cause you've been wrapping it around all the wrong things. Uh, and you were singing my praise, saying I'm Smokers, grillers, and legends explain how ingrained barbecue is with the oil and gas community. From the well site to company cookouts to big community fundraisers for local charities, barbecue is part of oil and gas from the fellowship to the food. What's your uh, name? I'm Jesse Johnson. And what is it you guys are cooking today? I Obviously, I know the answer, but... Yeah, we came down to the barbecue today. We figured we'd uh, go down and uh, get a pig from, from Larry's down in Mott and uh, spend a pig out here and have some fun. So this the whole hog came from Mott, North Dakota? Yep, came from Larry's shop down there in Mott, North Dakota. We struggled to try to find something last minute. They pulled through, so we, uh, we brought it down here and cooked it up. Have you ever done a whole hog before? Oh, yeah, we've done multiple. We do it every year up at... Uh, Lake Skakawea for uh, for Van Hook Arms. So, so walk us through the process here because this, you know, this has got the ribs, this has got the brisket, this has got the pulled pork, this has got pretty much, this has got the pig's ear. Right, we got everything on this thing. Basically, what we do is we take it the night before and we will do a, a marinade with it, do all the injections, put it on ice, and then uh, right away in the morning we'll start it up and start it spinning, lock it down, and. Uh, probably spins for six to eight hours depending on the weight and the heat we try to like start slow let the smoke take into it and uh yeah basically when you're done you just you take out all the parts put it in different types of barbecue sauces some pipe some people like it regular some people like it just with a like a sweet barbecue sauce uh we also do a, a south carolina sauce too for for uh, all types of people so south carolina would that be a little more vinegary yeah a little vinegary got your peppers got your your sweets in there too so so uh, what is it all pulled pork or do you get a brisket out of there do you get the pig's heart out of there do you get the snout no we we it's all gutted out before we do all that stuff but we do keep the loins for for special cuts for people who we like out here um other than that yeah a lot of it just goes to pulled pork and um i know um we, we also throw some some of the pork into the beans that we make and uh, get get some of that nice little pork freshness out of the, out of the beans. 
So without giving away any trade secrets, uh, a time and temperature on this thing, I know you mentioned that, but like a temperature and then some of the other, you know, whether there's an injection or a rub or just some of the recipes, I guess. Well, what we do is we, we, we've got, we, we inject it with a garlic butter type sauce oh. and then we'll also do some some uh, a vinegary apple juice that we inject it with. Um, we started off slow, about 180, 200 degrees, so the pig will take in the smoke and we ramp it up, eventually hitting about 300 degrees toward the end. Um, as soon as that meat hits close to 180, 190, 200 degrees is when we take it out and we start pulling it apart. And um, any tips or any tricks that you might have for a young or old aspiring pitmasters? Well, I tell you what, a pig is good on its own. You, know, you really don't have to do much to look good to make a pig good, but... Um, I don't know. I get, got it, right? Yeah, yeah. You could. I, I, it's always good to. You know, a lot of times we take take the heads off and, and we'll skin it. This one came with a head on. We decide, you know, the pig fit, so let's let's keep the head on and add that little pig factor to it. So, what's more important in your opinion, time or temperature? Uh, both. Uh, definitely time. Time is, is of the essence when you're doing it. And uh, if you don't get it pulled off, you know, soon enough it's going to be, you know, not done. And if you get it pulled off enough, it's, sometimes you get too dry. So, um, like you can see here, we're taking some of the pieces off that aren't done, putting them back in the smoker, and let them get, let them get, soak some of that smoke up. Thank you. Thank you. So what's your name? I'm Josh Franken, and I'm... What are you cooking today? I'm cooking pork. Um, I've got one tri-tip in there, but I've been doing pork for about 14 hours right now. So describe that 14-hour process. Is there a marinade, an injection, a rub? Uh, well, I, I bought locally here at the workshop, and, uh, you know, the great, great people to work with there, and uh, brought the stuff home, I rubbed it all down, let it sit for about a half an hour, um, put it into my smoker last night at 200 degrees, let it smoke for two hours, pull it off of the smoker, put them into roasting pans, let them roast for 10 hours, pull them back off, shred them up, put them back into the smoker, and let them smoke now for about another three and a half, four hours. So you almost got a full day into each one of these uh, pieces of pork that people are eating, huh? It's a labor of love, absolutely. <laughs> you can taste the love, that's right. Uh, it looks like you guys got some tortillas. Yes, we do. We're kind of doing a mixture here. We've got a salsa marinade that we're putting on top of it. We've got a corn and a flour shell over here on the uh, on the side that we're putting into them. We've got some different flavors, barbecue sauces that we're using. So kind of doing the tango two-step for people's, uh, people's mouths now right now. Where are you from? I'm right here in Dickinson, South Park. Oh, you're South Hard. Okay, I, I, I love going to the Farmer's Daughters Cafe. There you go. There you go. Uh, how about the uh, um, your background? How did you get uh, to be the cooker? Do you got a background in this, or are you just the guy who barbecues in the backyard the most? Um, actually, I used to run a catering business back in order in Oregon um, before we moved up here about four four years ago. My wife here works for uh, for the hospital, and um, I've cooked for a bunch of different folks around for the hospital, different functions, um, you know, marathon uh, for tailgate parties and uh, you know when they wanted to do pork you know it's my way of helping out with the community helping out with the hospital they do a phenomenal job to me and I want to just kind of help them back so um, they asked me if I wouldn't mind mind doing it and absolutely not a problem 
tips for somebody without giving away your trade secrets. Tips uh, for somebody who's an aspiring uh, pitmaster of any age. Some of my, my, how I learned was actually a bunch of people would come over to my house. Uh, I used to be a police officer and a bunch of people would come over to the house and uh, loved my food and um, eventually I just kind of picked it up moved slowly through it, bought things. Now, for somebody who's who's getting into it, my advice is be patient, slow and slow and low. It definitely is the secret to, to all kinds of meats. Um, be patient, no peeking. Um, if you're poking in on the meat, you're not smoking on the meat. So really, really be patient that way. Um, and be creative, you know, um, travel outside of your norm, explore with different things, but stick with things that do work for you. Cook for what you want, you know, how your your taste buds are, and uh, people will come. Do you get into the different uh, hickory chips or oh, apple, pecan, or anything like that? Yeah, today I'm, I'm actually did a mixture of the, uh, between pecan and um, hickory. So just kind of hitting it with different two different types of woods. Um, keeping it low, uh, I try not to breach anything above 200 degrees. You know, as we're doing our pork, um, it'll dry it out. Make sure that you really keep things moist in there. I got a water pan in there to kind of keep the steam going inside of the meat to keep it tender. Um, I would encourage people to, to maybe spray the meat periodically. You can use a butter rub or um, an, uh, a cider or uh, apple juice is another good one. Um, for marinades, you know, explore around. Um, anything poultry, use a sweeter kind of wood, cherry wood, um, apple wood, that kind of thing, uh, pecan. Anything for, for harder meats like uh, beef, tri-tips, briskets, use a hickory or a mesquite. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Featured on the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show this week is by Elma Cook, leading up to her performance at the Bakken Barbecue of 5,000 Candles. But before then, she will kick off the night with America the Beautiful. This is Elma Cook. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcille, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment Elements. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. 
Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. That's what love is like that. Who am I that I would push back? Is that the loving thing? You made a bed for me to lie in. What's your name and what company are you cooking for today? Dennis Jarrett. Let's talk a little bit about smoking and uh, cooking barbecue. So what are we, what are we cooking today? Well, today we cooked um, pork butt and then pulled it. It's a pulled pork and then we did baby back ribs. Well, you did both. So let's start with the pork butt. Um, give me time and, and marinades and rubs and just kind of, you know, the process, what went into it. I start with an injection and it sits overnight. And then right, right before it goes on the fire, we, um, we'll put our dry rub on. And I cook it today since we're limited on time, and I didn't feel like cooking overnight on there. We cooked it about 300 for four to four and a half hours, really up to an internal temperature of about 135, 140 degrees. Then we'll pull it and wrap it for three to four hours at 300 just to finish it and then it goes into a cooler to rest for a couple hours if you didn't have a time restraint how long would the process normally take do you think typically a pork butt that's about seven eight pounds you're looking at 14 hours on a regular slow low cook at 200 to 225 how about the ribs uh talk to me about the process with the ribs well with the ribs i always start with a mustard rub and let that sit let it sit in mustard overnight you know, just a nice layer of mustard on top of it. Then the next, when we're ready to cook them, we'll, of course, put some dry rub on it. And it'll go in at about 250 for roughly two hours. Most of the time, I do it by feel. I'll pick up the rack and how does it feel, if it's ready or not. Then we'll pull it and wrap it. And the whole time that's cooking in the, in the smoke, we're also spritzing it about every... 20 minutes, half hour with apple juice. Keep keep the moisture in. And after it's been on a couple hours, we'll pull it out, wrap it, put it back on the heat for a couple more hours, and then pull it and put it in the cooler to rest for at least an hour. How about when it comes to either having a pan of water in the in there to kind of help with the steam and keep it moist, and also do you use any kind of hickory or charcoal or pecan or anything? Well, today I'm using a combination of apple and pecan, and on the pork butts we did a little bit of hickory, just pretty much one smoke round until it started burning out of hickory. Um, I like the I like the flavors of apple and pecan. Apple adds a little bit of sweetness in the smoke, and pecan's kind of a really mild, mellow f- smoke. But I think it just adds good. All the ribs we did today were strictly on pecan. Okay. 
And this round, I actually didn't do any water pan because we added supplemental moisture by spritzing with apple okay. juice on there. Typically, on a long, you know, on a long, long smoke, I will have an extra water pan just to keep the moisture in there because. A lot of times, if you're if you're running a propane smoker or something like that, you're not checking it all that often. So you need something that's going to keep that moisture going in there. All right, how about for uh, tips for any young or old aspiring pitmasters? What would be your advice for them? You know, go read stuff on the internet. The internet's full of all sorts of tips and tricks, really. Or come to something like this and just talk to people. I'm always willing to share information on how to do it. I won't give you my rub recipe. I won't give you my barbecue sauce recipe, but I'll tell you how to cook it. You know, because there's a... I would say there there is an amount, a level of art to cooking something in a field. And that's... you got to get out and do it. I think anybody can smoke. There's all sorts of smokers out there. You've got a variety. We've got a variety here. We've got propane smokers, and then we've got stick burners, charcoal, and wood, which is my my preference. Except it takes more attention. I also have an electric smoker at home that I use at least once a week. That's for the quick throw it in there, go away for a while. You know, and anybody can do it. There's a smoker out there for anybody. Just don't be afraid to try if you like barbecue. What's your favorite thing to barbecue? Pork loin. Pork loin. I make, I'll say it, an amazing pork loin. Just, I have found that that's the, that's the meat that I cook the best, and I don't do it here. I also like brisket, though, too. I, I really love to do brisket, but that takes, that's an 18-hour cook. I refuse to try to go fast with a brisket. You mentioned you make your own barbecue sauce. Um, what style would that be? Is it a vinegar base? Is it a sweet? Is it spicy? My preference, personal preference, is a vinegar-based barbecue sauce. So that's my recipe is vinegar-based. I made one today that was kind of an experiment that's actually really sweet. It's got apricots in it. Oh, okay. And it's real sweet and not really zesty in there, but... The only thing I, I can think of that people could relate it to would be like sweet and sour sauce, but more on the sweet than on the sour. Okay. That's it, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. So what's your name and who are you cooking for today? Hey, I'm Bram Laster. I live in Cody, Wyoming, and I'm cooking for MBI out here tonight. You're the gentleman they brought up from Cody, Wyoming. I, I interviewed... Uh, Tiffany Steiner and Jack Jackie Schmidt a week ago, and they said they were bringing up somebody from Wyoming. So you're the ringer, and uh, what was it that you're cooking today? Well, we're doing hickory smoke brisket. So I'm originally out of Texas, so that's kind of where I learned and picked up the art of briskets. Why hickory? Well, <clears throat> mesquite tastes like mesquite. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, how about any, any um, without giving away any trade secrets, how did you prepare it? Uh, was there a marinade? Was there a rub? Was there a, a slow uh, temperature? Yeah, I use a dry rub that's actually out of Texas. It's main ingredients, brown sugar. But I smoke everything at 230 degrees, and these briskets, they run 12, 14 hours for this match. How long does the whole process take? Yeah, like say 12, 14 oh. hours. And and then um, 
what temperature do you keep it at? You said 230? Yeah. And then uh, for, for the 1230, anything else you're cooking today besides a brisket? No. Uh, actually, they fixed up some stuffed uh, bell peppers, and I put them in there to Those are good. heat them up. Make the bell peppers a little crispy for them. I just had some. They were delicious they, uh, with the rice in it. And um, how about uh, any tips that you might have for aspiring barbecue pit masters of any age? <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, secret to a good cook is keep the cook well basted. Keep it well basted? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding, of course. But, uh,. On briskets, you can test when they're done by pushing your finger down on the fat on the top layer on top, and it'll be spongy until they're done, and then your finger will just kind of push right through that fat layer. Chickens, when the leg bones get real loose on them, they're done. Ribs, when you get a little bone showing on the ends, they're done. What's your favorite thing to cook? I like briskets or maybe back ribs, my favorites for sure, because I like to eat them too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, sir. Oh, oh, geez, there we go. Not a problem. Leonard, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who who are you cooking for and what are you cooking today? I'm cooking for LTR and we're cooking baby back ribs, sir. And with that accent, it sounds like you might be from the Mott Regent area? Yes, a little bit further south. <laughs> but uh, I've been up here, uh, be 39 years in February. Where are you from? From Monahans, Texas. Okay. So are you cooking Texas barbecue, or is this a hybrid of North Dakota-Texas barbecue? It's, it's kind of a hybrid because uh, it's not the spicy. So try to meet every, try to meet everybody's taste. So how do you cook the ribs? To, I mean, without getting into the, you know secrets or anything like that, give us an overview of maybe the time, the temperature, maybe some of the spices, whether it's a hickory or a mesquite or. I use a mesquite and a pecan. Oh. And a mesquite puts a good uh, bark on it, and the pecan makes it a little sweet. And uh, we. Uh, We've got a rub that we make that we put on it. We rub it and then we, we cook it for about five hours. And it'll get tender enough where you can pull the bone pull the bone out of it. It's a tender meat and then we use a kind of a hickory and regular barbecue sauce. Is there a, a timeline in the marinating or is it just rub it on and put it on? We we rub it at night and then we'll put it on the next day, sir. What is the secret to your your, your your barbecue is a time temperature the cooker it's the cookers and the time and the temperature oh it is that yes sir are, are you more of a high temperature or low temperature low temperature okay and uh, i had a uh we've got a gentleman that come up here from texas when i did or before i did and he cooked ribs his name was red roberts and, and my kids and called him uncle red and Nita. And uh, he's the one that kind of showed me how to cook the cook the baby backs and stuff. Do you feel any pressure? Light Tower Rentals has won two of the four Bakken Barbecue Bravado trophies. So any any pressure on you this year? Uh, no, sir, because I'm retired. <laughs> and uh, I, I like to cook just for the fun of it. So if they win, I'll be proud for them and 
And if we don't win, well, we did our best. All right, final question for you. Any barbecue secrets that you might give young or old aspiring barbecue pitmasters? Yeah, I've got my son that I've taught him how to do it. And uh, a couple of these men here today watched and learned how to do it. And and uh, really not no secret, it's just to stay on top of it, sir. Pay attention to the, your meat, huh? Yes, sir. Pay attention to your meat. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to talk to you. To move a man like a chess piece is not the loving thing. While I am bold enough to go The music featured on the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show this week is by Elma Cook, leading up to her performance at the Bakken Barbecue of 5,000 Candles. But before then, she will kick off the night with America the Beautiful. This is Elma Cook. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Daylight's getting lower, lower and lower Wish I could show you, baby, The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment Developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. You remind me that I'm not in control. I'm out of control, man. You know I think that I'm better alone. But you're keeping me open and what I see in you is something they You already know that. It's only emotion. I bear my pride. Up next, Davini as she talks about her Make-A-Wish trip to Scotland, which was presented at the Bakken Barbecue. 
being joined today with David Nee. She was a recipient of a Make-A-Wish gift two years ago here at the Bakken Barbecue. We're live at the sixth annual Bakken Barbecue. In just a minute, or a few minutes, David and I are going to go up on stage and talk about the Make-A-Wish gift that was given, uh, presented to David a few years ago. So we're going to uh, get to that in a few minutes, but this is kind of our pre-interview ahead of time, so we can talk a little bit more uh, intimately without being on the stage, talk a little bit about the wish and everything. So David, how are you? Good. Good. So what was your wish at the Make-A-Wish event here that was uh, granted at the Bakken Barbecue a couple years ago? It was to go to Scotland and see the castles. To go to Scotland and see the castles. Mm -hmm. uh, why did you choose that? Because I'm Scottish and I wanted to like see what it's like back out in Scotland and everything there. So your heritage is Scottish? Mm -hmm. Okay, and but why the castles? I mean, isn't there like golf in Ireland too? And, uh, or Scotland, I mean, or is that Ireland? See, I get I Scottish know. has golf too, but obviously you didn't get into the golf courses. So I, I was a castle lover as a kid growing up. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons actually when I was like in sixth, seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, it wasn't cool. Um, so I loved castles. I drew castles as a kid. They were easy to draw. What, 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 what's your affection uh, with castles? Well, I find it, I like history and it's kind of cool how there's people that lived in there. Okay. Did you, now, you got to visit the castles. Mm -hmm. Did you get to do anything else in the castles? Um, we stayed at a Trakar house and there was, I can't remember what queen, but a queen stayed there before she died before she got killed actually really but it was very cool so you got to spend a night in the castle mm -hmm. wow did you wake up in the middle of the night did no. you explore yeah it was kind of like quiet and it was weird i bet it was weird yeah and so the walls made out of brick mm -hmm. or stone i guess it would yeah. be uh was there a courtyard in the castle what was the castle like it was like kind of like built like a house kind of and then they had a maze made out of bushes in the backyard they had pigs that were very ugly and then they had a horse they had like a playground and we walked this little trail and everything okay okay uh, what was your favorite part about the trip um the Jakar house. Okay, the Jakar house. And the cows. And the cows. What was the cows? They were. They had hair in front of their faces, and they were really cute. That's right. They have like hairdos. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of what type of cows. They call them hairy coos. Hairy coos, not cows, but coos. Yeah. Okay, hairy coos. Uh, did you take anybody with you? Um, my mom, my dad, and my sister. Oh, I bet they had a good time too, huh? Mm -hmm. So, wow, they got, they got to benefit from your Make-A-Wish, huh? <laughs> wow. Uh, and you, so you said the why the castles was your heritage and your background, um, some sort of uh, fa um, affection towards it and everything. So if you were to go back to Scotland, would you choose ca castles again? Um, yeah, like see a little bit more of them. See more castles? Yeah. Okay. And um, how, how long was the plane ride? Oh, a long time. I bet. Was it, was it from New York or? Uh, I can't. We went a short one, and then we went from one that was like all day. And That's what I thought. Kind of, okay. It took forever. You got to go across that ocean. Mm -hmm. So okay. Well, uh, what what did you take away from the trip? Uh, you know, it's um, there's a lot to process. You know, with with a with, with a gift like this. You know, and so. You know, when you, when you were done with the trip, what did you kind of uh, take away from it, I guess? Um, just how it 
was like back there and their how their food was so different and how it like made me feel different for a little bit. What do you mean by that? Like it didn't make me feel like I had cystic fibrosis kind of. Okay. So you were able to escape mm -hmm. from just by trying some new experiences and being a part of their culture, huh? Mm -hmm. I bet that was kind of neat, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun to escape. So, is there any certain food that stood out? Did you try the haggis? No. The the sheep's intestine with the guts and boiled. Okay, that's Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. You didn't try that. But was there any other food that you tried that you liked her? Uh, we kind of just stuck with the pizza. Okay, well that's probably good. Any, any regular toppings or any sort of haggis? They toppings? had they had like haggis pizza, which we did not eat. That we kind of just stuck with cheese. Okay. And then they had steak, so we. Ate that. You got the normal stuff, but it was still pretty mm -hmm. good, huh? Okay, well, well that's it. We're going to be uh, doing the interview on stage. We just wanted to get a little pre-interview done ahead of time. Dave Nee with the Make-A-Wish Bach and Barbecue here in Dickinson, North Dakota. So thank you much. We'll be talking eventually on the stage. Cause you remind me that you're running the show. You're running my show, man, is the tight man. Why I'm sleeping alone. I'm losing my focus and what I love and you was something they don't even know. I just want you to know it's more than emotion and I bet my pride. The Crude Life, the most trusted voice in energy. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We are the oil and gas regulator, but we do pipelines and pipeline safety inspections for the state of Texas. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities. We have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It's an important part of what goes on in the state and safety is, is really important, obviously, to all of us. Absolutely. You know, the, the oil and gas industry has always been environmentally focused. I mean... Uh, the President Biden's administration that this is Obama Biden 2.0 plus and the rate at which we've seen the executive orders flying off the president's desk is taking America back, taking jobs back and putting us in a detrimental position. But as the attorneys general for a number of states, we are pushing back. Um, from the Department of Transportation, that Permian, the Permian Basin has some of the um, most deadly roads of anywhere in the country. We average a fatality per day. That is absolutely unacceptable and we need to do better. Uh, we just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. Welcome back to The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. I am Sean Forbes with TeamForbes.com and OGDirectory.com. Jason Spies is my co-host today. I went out there on my first rig move and I was like, wow, I'm permitting all these loads, getting trucks going, load go, and I don't even know what half the stuff was. So when I finally got to go on the rig, I was like, wow, I was amazed. I was truly amazed of how this process is. No, I wasn't expecting any olive branch at all. Uh, the Democrat Party has decided that they don't like oil and natural gas, and uh, they were clear that they're going to go after us. I, I don't think that's any surprise. My name is Jenica, and today we get to talk with Amy Andrzak of the Interstate Natural Gas Association of Americas. Amy is the president and CEO. How are you doing today? I would say my, my interest in this arena started more from an interest 
interest in politics and advocacy, more so than an interest specifically in the energy industry. Well, the first the, the first advice that I that I want to give is, ladies, put your clothes on, okay? If you want to be taken seriously, put your clothes on, which that's a whole other podcast topic. It's a funny thing when I think sometimes it's just really ironic. I'll, I would be used to pull into the office and I would see some of my colleagues driving electric cars and things like that. And I'm like, how do you work for a large oil and gas company? <laughs> you pull in an electric car. So, I mean, even us, I mean, even in our, in our circles, we can see that things are changing. Actually, you are on the money. Back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. All right, now we get the opportunity to speak with two lovely ladies uh, that were here to talk on behalf of KLJ, which seems like a pretty unique and interesting company. We've got Corey Arith and Daphne Sen. And uh, Daphne, you're the project manager Am I, for, for what's good. What, well pad designs, is that, is that what you guys do? Is Yes, so um, I specialize in, well, I started out with road design. So I do uh, access road design to the well pads and then um, for a couple of companies, we actually do the well pad, the civil well pad design. So basically the earthwork and the um, stormwater ditches and stripping of the topsoil and things like that. Well, so I'm a civil engineer. Okay. All right. See, in, and then you, you focus more on the environmental impacts themselves, right? And the soil itself. Is that? Yeah. So I essentially, I kind of started the beginning before Daphne completes her designs. We just make sure that all permits are obtained as far as environmental permits like there's wetlands dakota skipper habitat cultural resources are avoided and then she works around those um yeah, yeah because we, we don't want to place the pad or the road on any of those things so and, yeah. then, and then we also don't want any stormwater um, eroding and then causing sediment to leave the site and impacting any of those things either right Okay. And then I will kind of help with that process. So she'll make her preliminary design. We just make sure that nothing was missed. And then I'll come back after they're all done too. And sometimes we'll work on SWIP inspections or your stormwater pollution prevention plan inspections. And um, again, just ensure that the site is protected until it gets 70% vegetation established. Yeah, so they monitor the BMPs. BMPs are like the uh, straw waddles and erosion control blanket. And they make sure her her inspectors go out and make sure they're not filling with sediment. And if they are, she lets the uh, owner know so that they can get it cleaned up. Or if they're failing and need to be replaced or yeah. any of that type of situation. I can also help, too, with sometimes trickier soils on... Um, providing a seed mixture that works the best for that type of soil too so yeah. so it's like a full collaborative process to help companies be able to effectively set up their well pads in a way that's not going to get them into trouble is not going to cause any harm to the, the vegetation and soil around it yeah that's, that's kind of what it seems like mm -hmm. to me i'm in my head it's the weirdest thing but i'm like reading through your bios and in my head i'm envisioning you as like an exterior designer <laughs> of sorts. You know what I mean? I like to think of it that way. 
Well, that's, I mean, you guys have got to be well sought after right now, especially with such heavy focus on ESG across North Dakota, across the nation, really. But we stay busy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. And it's it's good work. And it's it's good that we work together. And that, again, helps make it completely dynamic and yeah. I think it's missed. <laughs> yeah. because And the thing is that the, uh, operators are not required to have a civil engineer design, especially if it's on private land, which most well sites probably are. And so they can just do like a traditional well plat package, which is they still have to have the surveyor involved. But for the actual civil part, there's it's just a drafter that balances the earthwork and shows you a square on a piece of paper, basically. But what we're saying is if you spend a little bit more money up front for that design, then you save money in the long run because you're avoiding all those things that we're talking about, like, you know, fines and stuff from agencies because you have impacted a wetland accidentally or you have muddy messes on your pad because you didn't plan ahead and, and plan for the stormwater that's going to be coming onto the pad. So that's what we're trying to convince these operators, that if they just spend a little bit more money up front, then maybe they'll save money in the long run. Well, it kind of seems like it'd be a really viable option for most of these companies, just, again, because of the focus that's being put on the environment yep. and how it's being taken care of or, or not, depending yep. on the situation. So you guys were probably ahead of the curve then when, because this focus, it feels, it feels to me, and I could be wrong, it feels like this focus kind of came in maybe five, six years ago is when it really started getting pushed pretty heavy. Um, you were already de- working by then, weren't you? I mean, KLJ has been. Oh yeah. Well, KLJ has been, we do, uh, we do a lot more. KLJ does, you know, transportation, municipal work, uh, aviation. Airports, yeah. yeah. So oh. we do all of that. Uh, we are in more of the oil field side of things with KLJ, but yeah, KLJ as a whole does all kinds of other practices. Well, and the both of you have, have experience going back quite quite some time, it seems. Yeah. I, KLJ was my first job out of college. Really? That's, yeah. that's actually really cool. <laughs> yeah. They, they, must, they must treat their employees pretty well if you're wanting yeah. to stay for... They are, yeah. they are a good company. Yes. I worked for the Natural Resources Conservation Service for eight years before coming to KLJ, and I've been at KLJ for six years now, so... That's really cool. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the best part? What's the most fascinating part about designing these locations? I mean, it's the best part of it. Every project is different. Every project has a different yeah. challenge. Yeah. The cha- the different challenges. Um, I also enjoy working with my clients or, you know, you you form this relationship with your clients and then and they they trust you and I don't know, it's just kind of uh, rewarding. Yeah. For me, it's it's a little bit of balance, right? So it's it's nice because you don't have to choose one or the other, right? You can actually help them problem solve to have the least amount of impact on any of the environmental stuff, right? That's what's nice in working with Daphne and she... I give her the problems and she thinks around them. <laughs> yeah. That's a good team. It That's is. That means. It, it is. It's a very good team. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see yourself using your environmental knowledge background to go into the oil and energy industry? Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I again, I balance, right? There's balance. And you can't shut everything down. You can't not improve a road, right? That's going to improve safety. There's other things that... I feel like I still provide a lot of conservation and protect a lot more 
because of the position that I'm in. I'm helping our clients do better. So, so what do you, what do you, okay. How do you guys feel about the ESG standards across the state of North Dakota? I guess. I'm not sure. I, me neither. <laughs> well, I wonder if it even had an opportunity to really impact you if you were already, I mean, again, looking towards those environmental solutions, I wonder, it might not have impacted you ter- too terrible much then. I mean, did you, did you feel any kind of an impact from the, from the scrutiny that no, was not being really. added or no? No. No. Nope. Not really, no. Because, again, yeah, our, a lot of our clients were already, already in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And moving into that. Yeah, and, again, our our clients are top-notch. I mean, mm-hmm. they'd go above and beyond. It's, it's not just what they have to do. They do a really good job of actually, mm-hmm. again, taking care of the land, being a good neighbor. Yeah. They're from here, too, so... This is their home. Does it ever frustrate you when you see media talking about how toxic and bad for the environment that that the oil industry, oil and gas industry is? I mean, do you ever look at that and go, oh, my goodness, if they only knew what work we're doing? Mm -hmm. Yep. I feel like they're an easy target, but nobody actually sees the upfront work and time that they put into it. One project is a year minimum, isn't it? Yeah. You, there's so much. From start to finish, yeah, at least a year. And again, everything that they put at the beginning, I, they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, that year, is that, is that with all the permits and everything, or does that elongate the process because of all the different obstacles to gain permits for all those different things? Well, it depends on the location. Some are obviously going to be, depend, you know, like if it's on federal land, that's going to be a lot longer process. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say for that, it's probably at least a year just for like if it's on private land. Yep. But yes, I mean, that includes everything from the well there's a lot of stuff that happens up front that we don't even that we're not even involved in right that they handle so lots of moving pieces pieces. there are a lot of hours that get put into a project Mm -hmm. before it is actually constructed yeah nice then how many projects do you guys work on at one time if each project takes over a year at one time? Boy. <laughs> it depends, <laughs> it depends on the time of the year. Yeah, or yeah. what year. Like last yeah. year, this time, we probably weren't doing much of anything. Right. But um, I don't know, in the middle of the summer. Because, yeah, when you so you'll start a project, and then you'll get a new one like a few weeks later. So they have, they're at different spots. Different stages. In each, yeah, in each project. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know either. I, there's, it's just a revolving door. Yeah. It just keeps coming. And so. then if you just have projects coming in, you just bring in more people to help you out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nice. <laughs> so then here's the question. When you're looking at all these different projects, you said every project is different. Was there one project that stuck out in your mind uh, for the obstacles or for the things that you were finding as you're trying to design this? Was, was there one that sticks out in your mind or like this one? This thing was crazy. <laughs> There's always that one. It seems like you have one a year that yeah. you're like, this one is yeah. going to fight us until the end. Yeah. There's like several of those ones. Yeah. But, but again, they're just a different challenge and yeah, it, you look at other options yeah. and cross that bridge and <laughs> get through it. Yep. So then what is the most prominent difficulty that your clients, that you found that your, your clients do have during this Hmm. It's 
solutions for all kinds of different problems. You know, that's just it. And it's it seems like they're fairly equal. I mean, environmental constraints are a lot, right? There's a lot with that, but then topography, yeah. your soils. I mean, it really truly depends. Every single one is just a different combination of different things that you have to plan around. But yeah, yeah. I was thinking the environmental constraints, and then also uh, erosion, like stormwater issues right because that's a big thing that's the whole reason we were kind of doing that presentation is because we see that that, that they deal with actually they didn't really this year because we didn't have any storm or rain, rain. yet <laughs> <laughs> everything was dry i was like this is not a good year to have this presentation yeah. <laughs> nobody sees ponds on their pads but yeah i think that that's a big one erosion and so away. so previously that was that was a pretty big issue then was the erosion the runoff from the rainwater what does that do what does that do to the well pad I mean what 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 difficulties does that create it just creates a muddy mess because the water is trapped on the pad or it's not draining off the pad and it's the equipment and the vehicles are driving through it and making this rutted up mess and just causes issues and then before you know it it's leaving the pad yep. and going onto the farmer's land next door and he's mad yeah. or it's having gullies on the side slopes or it's that and then when you have that again you need to go back out and start from square one right regrade it reseed yeah. it restabilize it start over to try to get vegetation to grow so yeah that's the key is getting yeah it's the worst whenever it's a newer pad so then yeah. yes you don't even have your vegetation established and then it's just creating headaches yeah for them wait so hold up so when you're designing these pads you you're you're going all the way back in and after they're put together you're replanting vegetation to, around them yeah oh my goodness so you're like yeah like you master mean, gardeners in the oil field that's crazy yes. that's awesome yeah because you don't want any exposed soils because yeah. that's where you're going to have your problems so yep you Once you that. get roots in the ground, that's going to hold the soil together. It allows water to move into the soil profile versus running on the top and cutting, um, yeah, cutting your slopes and yeah. causing sediment to leave the site. So well, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. And then in my, what popped up into my mind is that if you have all that vegetation around there, then it's kind of like one more way of being able to tell if the pad is functioning properly because the vegetation is going to give an indication if there's some problems. Right? True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and on your so side slopes for sure. That's mm -hmm. going to yeah. That, that's really, really cool. I, that never occurred to me that you'd be actually planting stuff around there, but that makes perfect sense, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we don't it's, do the planting. No, but we do. <laughs> and it's not like fancy trees and plants. No. no. <laughs> but it but is. does sound fun when you think it that way. Yeah. There, there is thought behind it, though. Like yes. In yeah. our presentation, we had talked, like, certain plants love certain soils, so match them up, right? Because if you don't, that just... It's probably not going to grow. So again, you want something that's going to love the soil that it's in. It'll establish faster, and again, the faster yeah. it gets established, the less problems mm -hmm. you have. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, does does do putting these the, the well pads on the land does that do anything to the soil? Does that like change the pH balance? Like, what does that what does that mess with? Have you found it to be detrimental in any way to the environment putting those on there? No, because it's all native soil. So very seldom do you bring anything in that's not from that location. Right. So they will strip the topsoil. They'll keep that topsoil in a pile so when they actually reclaim it, it's the actual topsoil that they took from that site. Oh. And when they regrade it out to go back to the original contours, it's still the soil that used to be there. Yeah. So there's like there's like way more planning that goes into this than most people realize. I mean, all the way down to after the well is completed and needs to be reclaimed, they've got a pile of soil they're waiting to reclaim the area. That's mm -hmm. that I don't I don't think I've ever heard anything about that aspect mm -hmm. of 
of the process. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, my goodness. <laughs> I don't even know. That's, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff there. Is there is there anything that you would like to focus on? Is there is there something that you think you know people should probably be hearing about that you know if they weren't able to come to the conference and hear your you talk? What do you think should be spread? I think basically what we all, what we discussed. You know that um, the if you do a little bit more planning up front and. Um, design then you can probably avoid some of those things Mm -hmm. that upfront thoughtful planning equals minimizing and mitigating risk (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was a line from our presentation very nice (laughs) very nice yes i so thank you so much i really appreciate it thank Thank you you. i know it doesn't make me one of a kind that i came to you at an opportune time and it doesn't mean i'm one of the guys but i'm gonna wait for you came and opened my eyes still none of us up in the play we don't think enough about the beauty we make it's all work here every day but when the lights go out it's in that i say sad to be behold nothing you could do make me go The music featured on the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show this week is by Elma Cook, leading up to her performance at the Bach and Barbecue of 5,000 Candles. But before then, she will kick off the night with America the Beautiful. This is Elma Cook. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcille, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment Developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spees. My name is Jason Spees, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we pay tribute to the ninth annual Bach and Barbecue happening this Friday, June 18th, from 4 to 10 p.m. in Dickinson, North Dakota. The Bakken Barbecue has raised over a half a million dollars over the past nine years, which is pretty darn good considering it started with just an idea in the thin blue sky. Speaking of blue, this year the Bakken Barbecue will honor first responders as part of its celebration, as well as singer Elma Cook, U.S. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, North Dakota Superintendent of Public Instruction Kirsten Baszler, the Mayor of Bismarck Steve Bakken, Miss Teen North Dakota, Alexandria Garcia will be discussing mental health and much, much more at this year's Bach and Barbecue happening Friday, June 18th at the West River Ice Center in Dickinson, North Dakota. But right now, let's get a barbecue tip from one of the past barbecues. I'm Jesse Johnson. Yeah, we came down to the barbecue today. We figured we'd uh, go down and uh, get a pig from from Larry's down in Mott and uh, spin a pig out here and 
have some fun. So this the whole hog, it came from Mod, North Dakota? Yep, came from Larry's shop down there in Mod, North Dakota. We struggled to try to find something last minute. They pulled through, so we, uh, we brought it down here and cooked it up. Have you ever done a whole hog before? Oh, yeah, we've done multiple. We do it every year up at... Uh, Lake Skakawea for uh, for Van Hook Arms. So. Right, we got everything on this thing. Basically, what we do is we take it the night before and we we'll do a, a, a marinade with it, do all the injections, put it on ice, and then uh, right away in the morning we'll start it up and start it spinning, lock it down, and uh, it probably spins for six to eight hours. And that was from the past years at the Bakken Barbecue, but this Friday at the West River Ice Center in Dickinson, North Dakota, the Bakken Barbecue, the ninth annual Bakken Barbecue is happening, folks. You don't want to miss it. My name is Jason Spies. I am the MC and energy ambassador for this year's Bakken Barbecue, as well as the host of the Crude Life Daily Update. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested Interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Oh, to the light that caught 
becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com.